going to start our time here as we open up God's Word in prayer. And as we do that, we just ask you, whether you are online or here in person, just take, take some time, take a minute in your seat and, and pray and ask God to ready your heart. Ask God to open your heart to receive what he has for you today. I, I don't believe that it's an accident that anyone is here, whether it's your first time or you've been coming many times or whether you just found us online or whatever it is. I don't think it's an accident. God brought you here today and has something for you. So would you just take a minute in in your own heart and ask God to speak to you, uh, to ready your heart to receive what he has uh, for you today. And then I will come back and pray for us. God, I thank you that we can be here together today, that we can worship you. Uh, You are the fount of every blessing. From you comes every good and perfect gift. And you are God that loves each person here and cares for each person here and desires us to experience more of you in our life. And I pray that today you would help me to preach your word. God, you have preserved your word for us to communicate to your people, that you desire to speak into our lives. You are not a distant God, an absent God. You are a communicating, a speaking God. And so I pray that you would help me to speak your word truthfully, faithfully, and that you would open all of our hearts to receive what you have for us. Let this time lead our hearts to greater worship and greater relationship with you. Let this not just be a ritual, whether we're online or here in person. Let us experience and hear from you because you want to relate with us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're in a series, this is week four, uh, talking about the greater things that God wants to do in our life and through our life. And I I would ask you just as we begin, how, how would you describe your faith right now? And you don't need to say that out loud, obviously, or you could, no one will hear you with your mask, but how would you describe your faith right now? How would you describe it? Is it strong? Would you say, my faith right now is strong? And when I say faith, I don't just mean your belief, I mean your relationship with God, your walk with God. There's different kind of images or language that, uh, that we use when we talk about that, but how would you describe your faith right now? Is it passionate? Is it strong? Is it waning? Is it meager? Is it stale? How how would you describe it? How would you describe your life right now? Maybe we even just kind of put faith aside, but how would you describe your life right now? Is it how you want it to be? Is it what God wants it to be? Is it joyful? Is it peaceful? Is it erratic? Is it stressed out? Is it filled with problems? How would you describe life? And whether you're not a Christian, and I know some of you probably here are not Christians today, you're exploring faith, and, and we're, we're thankful that you're here, maybe even online sometimes. If uh, It's hard to kind of come to church, but it's easy to kind of explore some things online. We're, it, many of you, probably not Christians, we're, we're, we're grateful that you're here and exploring faith. Maybe you're not a Christian Uh, Maybe you have been a Christian for a long, long time, or maybe you're just kind of starting out. Wherever you are, what I would tell you, and this is what I prayed, but but what I would tell you is that God wants to do more in your life. Whether you've been a Christian your entire life, you have not reached the cap. You haven't reached the end of what God wants to do. You haven't reached the end. I've been in church almost my entire life. And I know that there is more of God that I want to experience. There is more that God wants for me to experience. And so wherever you are, if you're just starting out on the journey or you have been a Christian for many, many years, God has greater things in store for your life. And there's more that God wants to give to you. There's more that God wants to grow in you. And listen, the Bible uses a lot of different metaphors or language about growth. 
The Bible says that God wants you to experience more, that he wants you to grow, and there's a lot of different ways that it talks about that. Sometimes it uses it in kind of building terms. It says, here's, here's who you are. You're kind of this unfinished building, and God wants to build us into something more. The Bible will use language about building. Sometimes uh, as it relates to a temple, it will say he wants to build us together into a spiritual temple. This isn't a well, I guess you could call this a temple to you know, the American dream or something like that, but that's not necessarily what I'm trying to say, just that God wants to build us. Sometimes it will use uh, language like that. Sometimes the Bible will use language about uh, growth organically with trees or vines, and it will say that we are like this, but that God wants to produce fruit in us. I mean, God doesn't want us, God wants us like this. He doesn't want us to stay like this. He wants to produce fruit fruit in our lives. And listen, again, wherever we are, the Bible says there's more that God wants to build in you or more that God wants to grow in fruit in you. Or sometimes the Bible uses language about uh, infancy to adulthood. And, and it will say that we start off as spiritual babies and we're little kids and God wants to grow us. Listen, everybody that looks at this says, oh, that's, that's really cute. No one thinks this is cute, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe some weird person does, but no one looks at this. Sorry, I'll get rid of that. No one says that this is like, oh, okay. No one looks at that and says, that's what I want to, to be. And we've got the big giant scale. Okay. God says he wants to mature us. We start as babies. There's a passage in Hebrews that says that, that you, you're still drinking milk and you should be eating meat by now. That if you are a grown man or woman drinking from a bottle, that we would say, that's not, that's not very cute anymore. That God wants us to experience building. God wants us to experience fruit. God wants us to experience maturity. Those are all the different ways. And, and there's more than that. That's just, that's just a sampling. But, but the big idea with all of that is that it is saying God wants us to grow. He wants us to experience more than we have right now. But a lot of times, if we're honest, we don't, we don't think about that. We are living our lives. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We're busy. We've got our jobs. We've got our families. We've got, all, we've got fun. We've got all sorts of things. And we don't necessarily think about growing. We don't necessarily think about growth. That's not always top of our mind. But the reality is, if that's the case, then we miss out. If we are an unfinished home and could be a finished home, we miss out if we don't grow. If we're a tree with branches but no fruit, we miss out if we don't grow. It's great to be a baby, but a baby doesn't experience the fullness of what human, human life can be. We miss out. And Peter says in this passage that we are going to look at that he wants to remind us of some things. He really starts out his letter saying, there's some things I want to remind you of about growth. And so we're going to look at eight different things that Peter wants to remind us of. He says, God wants us to experience more, but we forget. Let me remind you. And there's eight reminders that Peter wants to give to us. And he doesn't list it out, one, two, three, four, but there's at least eight things we can see in here that Peter wants to remind us about growth. First one is this, growth is available. Or growth is possible, we could say, that we can grow. Listen, there's areas in our life that when we're thinking about it, that we feel stuck and we feel it's hard. There's things that we want to grow in. There's ways that we want to progress, that we want to mature, but we find it difficult. And sometimes we may have tons of excuses for that. If I was more educated or if I had more time to study or more time to read or Maybe it's my personality or if my parents weren't like this or once my family situation changes or once I kind of get more time at work or there's all sorts of kind of excuses that we often have, but oftentimes we want to grow. We find it difficult. We feel stuck. We may even have many excuses of why we cannot do it. But Peter says this, so important for us today. He says his divine power, speaking of God, has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Whatever it is that you want to grow in, whatever area, and I love that he says life and godliness. That's kind of everything. Everything for life 
and godliness. Just so that you, you make sure we get the picture. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Not because of us. Not because there's something. God isn't saying, listen, you can do this. You've got it in you. That's not, this isn't a self-help motivational speech. He's saying his divine power. That who God is and what God has done. And we've looked at this in Ephesians talking about God's power and all that he is. He's saying his power, his ability has given us everything we need. Everything required for life. Everything we need for godliness. He has given it to us with his power. Not our resources, but his through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The power that we have comes from knowing him. The power that we have for life and godliness comes as you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It comes through him calling us, not because of us, but his glory and his goodness, that he calls us into his family, that he calls us into relationship with him. And through knowing him, when you experience Jesus Christ saved me, he died for my sins, he forgives me, he cleanses me, he makes me his, he adopts me into his family. We, we looked at this in the first sermon with Ephesians, all the different, and I know some of you, it's your first time here, but all the things that God has done for us, that he has saved us, that he's seated us with him, that he's made us alive, all of these things that through him, through knowing him, through being in relationship with him, he says that we've got all the power that we need. All the power that we need to experience life and to experience godliness. Here's what this means. It means that growth is available. It means that nothing that you are facing in your life right now, nothing that you look at and say, I wish I could grow here. I don't know what that is for you. It might be relationally, it might be sexually, it might be intellectually, it might be all sorts of things that you say, I, I want to grow. He says, everything you have, everything you need is available. That there is nothing, there is no thing in your life that has to keep you from experiencing life and godliness. Nothing has to defeat you. You don't have to stay the same in any area. To say that his power has given us everything means you are not alone. It's not just by your power that you are going to try to figure this out. I was talking to someone recently that said, I don't know if I have what it takes to follow Jesus. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't, I don't know if I have enough confidence that I can last. And I reminded them, I said, it's not about your power. It's not about if there's enough in you to be able to do this. He is saying he has given you everything, his power. Growth is available. You are not alone. Number two, he says that growth is good. Growth is good. Oftentimes, growth gets a bad rap. If I were to say, hey, this is a book on how you grow, or this is a sermon on how you grow, oftentimes, that's not necessarily the most appealing thing to us. Because when we hear about growth, maybe you kind of think of it in a legalistic framework that there's more things that you can do, and God will be happy with you, or more things you can do, and God will be satisfied, God will love you. And we think of it kind of that way and dismiss it. Or sometimes we just think of it, I don't know if I want that. It, growth sounds like taking away my freedom. I don't know if I want to grow. Maybe that's for kind of super Christians or people that are really into stuff or those kind of Christian people, but not necessarily for me. I, I just want to live my life and be a good person and love God. And, but I'm not, I don't know if I want to think about growth. And what Peter wants to remind us of is that growth is Good. Here's the next line, what he says. By these, what we just talked about before, his, his power and the calling that he's given us and his glory and goodness, by these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. He says, here's what growth is. Let me, let me define it for you. It is sharing in the divine nature. It's sharing in God's very own character. 
God is saying, listen, I've called you into relationship with me. I've brought you into my family. In my power that's at work in you, you've got everything you need for life and godliness. And through this, the very great and precious promises I've given you, all the different promises that are, that are there in the Bible, that I'll be with you, that I'm for you, that I forgive you, that I'm available to you, that you have access to me, that there's a future in store for you that is good and bright because you're connected to me. All of this, through them, you may share in the divine nature. It means God's very character, God's very being, he's inviting us into. He's saying, I don't want you to live anymore in the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. I'm calling you into something better. Listen, our world is corrupt. No, no, one, no one disagrees with that. We might disagree about what that corruption is and how that actually looks like, but he says the world is corrupt and God is calling us, inviting us to experience his nature instead of the world's nature. He's inviting us. Who is God? I mean, there's so much that we could say, but in God's goodness, in God's grace, in God's love, in God's joy, in God's peace, in God's mercy, in God's kindness, in God's infinite patience, in God's all that God is. He's saying, here's who I am. I'm inviting you to share in my nature instead of this, the world with all of its evil desires. I'm inviting you into a new kind of nature. I want you to experience this. See, sometimes when we think about growth, we think of it as more duty and more things to do. And God is saying, I want you to experience life more like me and more with me. See, I think one of the best ways to understand obedience, one of the best ways to understand even what, uh, what it means to grow is fully experiencing the salvation that God has given to you. If you're a Christian, God has saved you. But what growth is, is fully enjoying that, fully experiencing that. If you're a Christian, God has already given you a new nature. He's already brought you into his family. But what growth is, is saying, I want to experience that divine nature more and more. I want to know life with him more and more. Growth is good, Peter says. The third thing is that growth is needed for all areas. What do you think of when you think of growth? When you think about growth, and even as I'm, I keep saying that, that word and we're talking about it, what do you think of? What comes to your mind when you think of growth? You might think about knowing more. You might think there's more things I need to know about God. Maybe I don't know the Bible very well. Maybe I, I don't know enough about God's will on certain things. Maybe you think about stopping certain things or starting certain things. I don't want to sin like this. I want to do more like this or be more like this. Maybe when you think about growth, you think more about uh, doing things, just more activity. And all of that can be true. All of that may matter. But what Peter wants to remind us of here is that sometimes, I think, we silo off or we think of growth in one kind of way when God wants us to think about it comprehensively. There's many areas in our life that God says, I want you to experience my nature here and here and here. Here's what he says. For this very reason, the reason being all that we just looked at, all that God has done because of his power, because of his calling, because of his great and precious promises, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. This is a comprehensive picture of where it is that we need to grow. It affects every area. God is calling us into his nature in everything. I love the way John Piper kind of translate this, translates this and, and kind of uh, breaks down what these pieces are. He's a pastor and author. And he says this, as you have obtained faith in Christ and stand in it, so you've already been given this faith, as you've been given that, now apply yourself diligently to advance and moral excellence. And as you stand in that, do not be satisfied, but press on to increase your knowledge of God's will. And as you stand in that, do not be satisfied, but be diligent to enlarge your capacities of self-control and mastery of your passions. 
And as you stand in that, don't be satisfied, but cultivate every form of patience and serenity. And in that, let devoutness and piety and sweet love to God flourish. And in that, strive to kindle your affection for other believers. And in and through it all, grow in love to all men. In other words, forward, forward, press on, advance. Growth is needed for all areas. It, the, the, the picture that Peter gives is comprehensive. It affects, one way to think about this is some people have used this language of head, heart, and hands. That it affects our mind and what we know. When God is calling us and inviting us in to grow, it affects what we know, how we think. It affects our hearts and what we feel and what we love and our emotions. And it affects what we do, our hands. It affects our actions, things for good and things for bad. It affects our relationships is another way to think about it. He mentions with God and community and love, which would be comprehensive of not just those in the Christian community, but even beyond that. That when God is calling us to grow, part of what Peter reminds us by giving us this list is that growth is needed for all of it. There's not a part of us that God doesn't say, I want to grow you here. God wants to touch our minds and our hearts. He wants to touch our actions, our wills, every relationship that we have. What stands out to you when you look at that list? When you look at the, the list and it talks about moral excellence and it talks about self-control and it talks about affection and it talks about knowing God's will and, and all the other things, what, what is it that stands out to you that maybe even now the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart and saying, this is where I'm calling you in to grow? What stands out to you and, and what would happen if you were to grow in that area? What would happen if you were to share more in God's nature in those things? Peter says that growth is needed for all areas, that you already have some of these things, but there is more that is available to experience. And then fourth, growth takes effort. Growth takes effort. Oftentimes we ignore growth. I think a lot of times, truthfully, we think it'll just happen. We say things like time heals all wounds. And again, there's some truth in that. We say things like, you know, I, I hope one day that I'm different in this. I know that I will be one day like this. I hope my marriage is stronger one day. I hope I'm a better father or mother one day. I hope my friendships get stronger one day. I know it just takes time. You know, I'm here now, but I'm on a journey and I, I hope that one day I know more about God here. And I think a lot of times, look, this, you can just say this is total crap and you don't agree with this at all, but if, I think if we're honest in our hearts, a lot of times for us, we kind of just expect that growth is going to happen. That if we could fast forward our life five years from now and wake up, we would hope to be a more affectionate, more self-controlled, know God more, and just kind of think time will, time will cover all things. Peter says that growth is available, but it's not automatic. Here's what he says. We, we already looked at it, but for this very reason, make every effort. And he'll use that same phrase again later we'll look at, but make every effort. That's not passive language. And again, sometimes I think in Christianity, it depends on kind of your background or where you've come from. We don't, we don't think that should be in the Bible. We think, let go and let God. God's just going to do it to me. But that's not what Peter says. Peter uses strong language. He emphasizes and he repeats and says, Make every effort. That is very emphatic language. If you think about effort, what does that mean? It means it's difficult. You don't have to tell someone to make, no one's ever had to tell me, make every effort to eat that maple bar. No one has ever said that. It just goes in and down and, and that's it. It's easy. I have zero effort in eating donuts. If we talk about effort, it means it's difficult. It's always easy to stay with what's comfortable, right? It's always easy. If, listen, even if, even if there's things that you know you want to grow in or you want to change, it's always easy to stay with what's comfortable. If you've got a job right now, but you want a new job, it's hard to make the effort 
to start applying for jobs, to get your resume together, to think about change, to start something new. If you're in a relationship and you think, man, there needs to be some change here. We need to get some counseling. We need to get some work. It's hard to make that effort. It's easy to coast. It's easy to stay comfortable. It's always easy to remain the same. If there's things you don't know, it's easy not to go to school. My kids are going to amen me. It's easy not to go to school. It's easy not to learn. It's easy to stay the same. Effort means it's work. Effort means it's difficult. What have you put effort into? Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's a home. Maybe you, maybe you put effort into saving for a home. Maybe you put effort into looking for a home. Maybe you bought a home and put effort into remodeling the home. Effort takes or means work. What, think about the things that you have put effort into. What that means is you put energy into it. It means you put discipline into it. It means you put focus into it. It means you took ownership of that area. It means you had commitment. It means there was intentionality. I recently watched with my kids one of the kind of great inspirational sports movies, Rudy. If you've not seen it, you can, it's all over the place. You can find it. But Rudy is a story about a kid that he was the first in his family to go to college. He always wanted to go to Notre Dame and he wanted to play on the football team, but he was small and, and he had to put an effort in. He had to put effort first just to get into Notre Dame. First to go to college, didn't have enough money, had to work hard to save up money, didn't have good enough grades to get into Notre Dame, got into kind of one of their partner schools next door, and then was able to, through there, transfer in. He had to get a tutor. He needed to make connections and know the coach, and he, he, would, uh, he worked on the facilities, and he would come in and write letters, and he would, it, the, whole, the whole movie is really just a story of his effort, his commitment, his discipline, and, and it's a true story, uh, as true stories go in movies, which means it was probably not true at all, but, uh, but it, there is some truth in it. And he was the first person to ever be carried off the field in a, in a good way, like this, uh, you know, hoisted up uh, in Notre Dame football history. And I think he's only one of two that that's ever happened to because he put in the effort. That's effort. That's a picture of effort. And I, I give you kind of that because we think about that with all sorts of things. We think about effort in our job and we think about it with school. We think about it with sports. We think about it with football. Peter is saying growth. Growth in affection. Growth in knowing God's will. Growth in moral excellence. Growth in love. Growth in self-control. Growth in all of the different ways that God wants to grow our head, heart, hands, relationships, Peter says, it takes effort. Make every effort. It means we're not passive, that we are actively working to grow. So here's an assessment question for you. Do you feel in your life basically the same? Or do you feel like you are making progress? Do you feel resigned, meaning this is kind of who I am, where I am, this is what life is, or do you feel resolved? If someone looked at your life and looked at the various things that Peter said, would they describe you as someone who is making every effort to grow in those things? Now, I, don't, I, I can't answer those questions for you. I think they're good self-assessment questions. And probably for a lot of us, we're somewhere, you might say, I'm not resigned, I'm not quite resolved, but I'm somewhere here. But I think it's helpful for us to say, am I, is this described me? Am I, I've put, most of us have put effort into some things in our lives. Am I putting it into these things? Am I making every effort? Practically, here's what this looks like. Practically, to make every effort means that we, we, we look at some of those areas and specifically where the Holy Spirit is kind of putting on our hearts and we take steps to grow. So if it's more kind of mind-related, we say, okay, I want to know God's will more. So we seek to learn. And I'll just be really practical for us here at church. It means you take classes. We've had classes this year. We had a women's uh, seminar on Friday. 
Uh, we, had, we had a class uh, towards the beginning of the year on what it means to be a Christian in Denver and how to navigate kind of some of the challenges of living in a post-Christian secular city. We had, we've had classes uh, where we partnered, we didn't partner, but we uh, promoted and, and some of us went to um, another church that did talks on policing and racial justice and what that looks like, how we think through that. We have resources in the back. We have books back there on all sorts of different subjects that you can think about, whether that's depression or grief or doubt or all sorts of different issues, dating, marriage, all sorts of issues that we kind of wonder about and think about and go, what is God's will when it comes to these areas? If you're on our newsletters every, every single week, there's, there's content in there. And at the end of them, on a monthly basis, we have different resources to help you think through different areas in life, whether that's parenting or politics or all sorts of things that are available to us to say, okay, if I want to know what God's will is, am I actually, I can't just say, yes, make every effort. Effort always leads to actual steps that we are doing, actual actions that we are doing. Am I engaging to grow my knowledge of God's will? Or if you don't think about kind of knowing, maybe it's more things about uh, relationally. Think about community or your relationships that you have, whether that's parenting or uh, marriage or friendship or dating relationships or just friendships. Say, am I making effort to grow? Peter mentioned brotherly affection and love. What steps am I taking to grow? Maybe that means beginning to form friendships. We have opportunities available to meet people. There's community groups. There's LTGs. There's meetups. There's ways to say, okay, I want to grow relationally. I want to grow in affection. I want to grow in love. Are you taking steps towards those ends? And maybe it's more actions and thinking about what does it mean to have self control, which could be personally, but you can also think about control of just controlling your life in a positive sense of saying, my time belongs to God. My money belongs to God. My mind and all that I think and do belongs to God. And so I'm controlling my passions and myself to be focused on what God cares about. That could be taking steps to serve here at church. That could be, for some of you, taking steps to grow as a leader. We have opportunities to develop you as a leader or to take steps to, to lead in some way. That might be growth for you. The verse I mentioned before where uh, in Hebrews, it says, you are a baby and you're drinking milk, even though by now some of you should be teachers. You've been a Christian long enough. You need to stop sucking the bottle and should be eating meat and feeding meat. Peter said, or Hebrews says. So maybe for some of you, it's actually a step of action to do something. Maybe for some of you, making every, every effort looks like coming here ready. I know how easy it is to, to show up to church and just kind of, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be here and that's about as good as I can do. But making every effort to grow in these things may look like showing up, your heart prepared beforehand, making notes if you're a note-taking person and listening, asking, praying that God gives you something that you can make a step in. This is what it looks like to make every effort. And I'm just giving you a sampling. I'm not saying that those specific things have to be the things, but make every effort is what Peter is saying. That looks like something practical. And that might sound hard, to think about all those different areas and all those different things, it might sound difficult. And it is, like Rudy. But like Rudy, he had a reason. Rudy wanted to play football for Notre Dame. Okay, that's fine. But Peter is saying, for this, we looked at it here, for this very reason, because of what God has done for you, because you're not on your own and you have his power at work in you, because of what's available to you to share more and more in his nature and enjoy his presence for this reason, make every effort. If Rudy made every effort because of football, if you've made every effort to get a promotion at work, if you've made every effort to start a business, if you've made every effort to make it through school, if you've made every effort for reasons that are good and valuable, how much more for this reason? to make every effort because we're not alone. We have his power 
because of the prize that we get to share in, he says, make this every effort. And number five, growth takes time. It's kind of hot up here. I'm going to take this off. A song is coming to my mind that's not church appropriate, but I'm just going to take this off. (laughs) Thank you, Curtis. Um, He says that growth takes time. We want instant growth. I do. Man, whatever I look, when I look at that list, I go, okay, if I just can agree to that and go, yep, I want that, boom, I want to grow. I want that to happen immediately. We want instant growth. I, you know, on Amazon, if you've got Prime, there's one-click settings. Imagine if it was two-click settings. They would, they would go out of business. People would say, forget it. That's way too much work. I don't have time for that. I need one-click settings. I even Googled two-click settings to see if that was a thing anywhere. I couldn't find anything. Maybe it is, but it's going to be so ranked low on Google. We want things instantly. We want things immediately. If you look at the areas in your life that you want to grow, you want it to happen now. When I was a kid, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. If you've if you ever seen the Matrix movies and they can uh, download, you know, they, they get into the computer and you download and he... Uh, Keanu Reeves needs to learn to fly a helicopter and then boom, he can fly a helicopter. Or he needs to learn martial arts and then boom, he learns martial arts. Now that's cool, but I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a little bit more nerdy than flying helicopters in, in martial arts. When I was a kid, one of my favorite movies was Meteor Man. I don't know if any of you have seen this. It's, it's very old. But one of his, he gets hit by a meteor and one of his powers is he can touch a book and immediately all the information is downloaded. I go, man, if I, that's a pastor superpower that if I could have any superpower, who cares about flying, invisibility, or super strength, being able to touch a book and boom, oh, that would be amazing. I want what Meteor Man had. I want instant growth. I want to I touch a book on marriage and my marriage has changed. I want to touch a book on brotherly affection, changed. I want to touch a book on self-control, changed. And I want instant growth. We want instant growth. And Peter says this, he gives us this reminder. God is calling us into growth in all areas and all things. And yet it takes time. He says, if you possess these qualities, what he just talked about in increasing measure, that language of increasing shows us it doesn't just happen. There's an increasing measure that takes place. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The things that we see in our life, the things that you want to grow in, that I want to grow in, they might seem too big. You might feel like I've been this way for so long or the task of knowing God's will or to change or to take on leadership or to, to, to quit these sinful patterns or to emotionally grow or my marriage, or my relationships to change, that seems too big. It seems daunting because we're looking at the end goal. But even physically, no one has ever walked into a gym and said, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get in shape. And you're 400 pounds. And no one walks in and then walks out fit. That doesn't happen. You walk in, you do an hour-long workout, or 15, whatever, you do an hour-long workout, you walk out the exact same. Nothing has changed. Because it's not spurts, it's a daily progress. It's an increasing measure. Peter says that growth takes time. Growth takes time, which here's here's what this means for us. What might, what might be available to you? What growth relationally, what growth in your heart, What growth might be available to you that you've given up on? Because you wanted it soon. And God said, this is going to take time. What growth might be available to you might have already been able to happen, but we gave up on. What progress, what fruit, what abundance in life, what change relationally might God want to do, but we gave up on? See, Peter's saying it takes time means that there's hope. Means that all the different areas in our life that we want to grow, we can grow. It also means that God knows it takes time. 
Some of you need to know and be reminded today that God is patient with you. That God doesn't look at your life and expect immediate transformation. I'm not saying that God expects apathy, but God doesn't look at your life and expect immediate transformation. That God is saying, I want to see increasing measure. Growth takes time. And then number six, growth is for others. We normally think about growth, and maybe even as we've been thinking about this right now, we normally think of growth as for us. We think of it kind of as personal development. We think of here's, here's where I want to grow, and this is how I want to change, and here's some things I want to know more, here's some things I want to do differently. But what Peter says is growth, essentially, yes, it will bless you, but it's not just about you. It is for others. When he uses the language of if you possess these qualities, it will keep you from being useless or unfruitful. That means use, and the, the opposite of that is God wants us to be useful, which means for other people. And God wants us to be fruitful. We've talked about that before. Fruit is always a blessing to other people. It's meant to be consumed. It's not just that the tree is supposed to be admired and said, wow, that's such an awesome apple tree. It is to be eaten. It's to be apple pie. It's, it's, it's to bless people. Listen, I, I wouldn't use this language. I would, be, I would be too afraid to say this to you, but Peter is saying maybe some of us are useless and unfruitful. It's kind of harsh. And he's saying, that's not what God wants for you though. God wants your life to be a blessing to other people. God wants through you, and don't we all want this in our best moments, to make a difference? Look, I want to change and grow, but not just for me. I want that for my kids. I want them to enjoy someone whose nature is more in tune with God, for my wife, for my church. I, I want God to work in me, not just so I can say, I have improved, but so that through me, others are experiencing more usefulness and more fruit. God is saying, I want to allow your life to make a difference, which means this, by the way, if we are not growing, if we are not making every effort to grow, it's not just laziness. It's not just apathy. It's not just being stale or uncaring. It's being selfish. We're saying, I'm going to stay like this and you just all have to live with me. Yeah, there might be things in the world that I could be useful in. Yeah, there might be ways in the church that I could be fruitful in. Yes, my relationships might be able to experience more, but I don't want to put in that work. Peter says that growth is for others. And then seventh, he says that growth gives assurance. Listen, these qualities, these things that he lays out, sometimes if we come to a list like this, if we're not careful, and Peter described it at the beginning, and then he's gonna describe it again at the end, if we're not careful, we view those things and say, okay, that's what I need to do to have God be favorable towards me. That's what I need to do to, even if you say, get to heaven, or that's what I need to do to, have, to be in relationship with God. But that's not what Peter said. He said, God's already given this to you, so because of that, because of the relationship with you have, that you have with him, because of the salvation that he's given to you, make every effort to fully experience that. And when we do, what happens is we actually have a greater assurance of our relationship with him. Here's, here's the next line. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, so all the different things he said, here's kind of what he wants, again, for us to do. Brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, your salvation. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for. Now again, he is not saying that if you do these things, you are saved. But he's saying if you do these things, it confirms what God has done for you. It confirms your calling and election. Listen, this is important. Peter is saying this. I wouldn't normally say this because I don't want to make you kind of guilt-wracked or 
uh, unsure, Peter is saying, if these things are not present in our life, if the effort is not present in our life, if these qualities are not present in our life, we have reason to question if we've actually been saved by God. If you don't care about growing, if you don't care about growing in love and affection, if you don't care about growing and knowing God more, if you don't care about growing in self, if you don't care, you have reason to question. But if you do see this, see this active in your life, if you do see it present in your life, what that does is confirms to you, assures you of the calling and election that you've been given. It helps you to know. It helps you to see, I know that God has called me. I know that God has saved me. Not just because of how far I've come, but because I have a desire to know God more. I have a desire to experience more of him. That desire helps confirm to you that you do belong to him. And it can give you great assurance and confirmation. I know I'm his. I know I'm his because there's something in me that keeps pulling me to him over and over again. Yes, I sin. Yes, I fail. Yes, I'm not where I want to be. Yes, I want to keep growing. Yes, it's going slow and it's, it's measured. However, there's something in me that's pulling me and I want more of him. He says that confirms to you and it's a gift that helps you be assured I belong to him. I am sharing in his nature and there's, a, and there's something in me that wants to belong and share in that nature more and more. Final thing is this. Growth comes from remembering. Here's what, here's what he said. We looked at part of this already. He says, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you know them, and are established in the truth you now have. He says, listen, you already know these things. You, probably most of us here, we already know these things. We've already been established in some ways in the truth. You already know it. You may have grown up in the church. You may have been at true life for a while. You already have been established. There's things that you already know, and that can be a dangerous place to be. Because Peter is saying, yes, you already know them, but if you forget them, you miss what God has for you. I need to remind you. I think it's right as long as I am in this bodily tent, just saying that our body is temporary, to wake you up with the reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will always make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Just look at these words here. Growth comes from remembering. See, you will not grow if you're short-sighted, blind, and have forgotten the cleansing from past sins. Growth comes from remembering because so often what happens is we're focused here. That's what short-sighted means. We just see this. We just see the problems in front of us. We just see the day in front of us. You just see the Monday in front of you. You just see the schedule in front of you. You just see the child in front of you. You just see whatever's going on right in front of you. And we forget. We forget what Peter reminded us of in the beginning. We forget the cleansing of our sin that should draw us to want more of him. We forget the great and precious promises he's given us. And instead we live like this is all there is. We live like our concerns and our world and everything right in front of us is all there is and we are forgetting. Which is why Peter says his job is to remind that he's gonna make every effort to remind, that he's gonna do whatever he can that we can recall, that he wants to wake us up with a reminder. Growth comes from remembering. Growth doesn't just come from effort. It comes as we remember and in all of that effort, really, it's effort of remembering. To grow in brotherly affection is to remember how much God has loved you. To grow in love for others, especially enemies, is to remember that we were enemies and God saved us. 
to grow in, in our knowledge of God's will is spurred on by the fact that we remember who he is and what he's done. So I want to know him more. Growth comes from remembering. Listen, God wants more for us. He wants to take us from an unfinished home to a finished home. He wants to take us from a dried up tree to a fruitful tree. He wants to take us from children to maturity. God wants us to experience more. He wants us to experience his divine nature. So Peter says, I will always remind you. And I, as your pastor, will always remind you to wake up. Maybe for some of us, those are actually the words that we need to hear. To wake up. To remember. So, what's your step? God is calling us into growth. What's the step for you? What does growth mean for you? What does it look like for you? I don't know. Maybe it's to confess. Maybe it's to visit the resource table. Maybe it's to take one of our next classes. Maybe it's to get in a community group. We have a page called truelifedenver.com slash next steps. Maybe it's to learn more. Maybe it's to do more. I don't know what it is. What is the next step for you of growth? Don't delay in those things. God wants you to experience more and more of his divine nature. When we take communion, hopefully you got one of those little cups on the way in. If not, you can go in the back and grab them. But when we take communion, we are remembering. Growth comes as we remember the cleansing of sin. His body broken, his blood shed. Growth comes as we remember what he's done for us. Growth comes as we remember again and have our souls awakened. I didn't deserve this, but he gave this to me in grace. He gave me relationship with him. He gave me a covenant with him. And so as you take communion, take time to remember all that he's given to you, all that he's inviting you into. And let that spur your heart towards experiencing more. And you, and you can take this time as you take communion to take a next step also. And then last thing, I'm going to be in the back. Uh, one of the things that we are beginning again as we've begun to meet indoors now is I'm going to be in the back and would love to pray for anybody. Uh, if, if you need prayer for healing or you need prayer, and I can't promise you that God will heal you, but if you, if you would like prayer for healing, the Bible says to, to come and to receive that. I would love to pray for you or, or anything. It doesn't have to be healing. If you, if you need prayer, uh, I'll be in the back and would love to pray for you during these first uh, few songs. Please pray with me now as we enter into communion. Father, I thank you that you have cleansed us from sin, that through Jesus, we can know you and we can participate in your nature. I pray that you would help those truths go deeper into our heart as we take communion. Let us remember. Let us be woken up again to who you are and what you've done. As we sing songs, let us remember. Let our hearts awaken. God, if any of us are sleepy, if any of us are apathetic and don't care, wake us up, God. Let us remember. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.